Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. Today's conversation is going to be all about entrepreneurship, sales, the benefits and upside of ADHD from uh, from Lance Pendleton, and he's a he's in real estate. And he's got a fantastic story and energy. And I'm really happy to share this with the audience. So Lance, welcome. Thank you, Christopher. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's interesting because you're a featured TEDx speaker and you share your insight and expertise on human behavior, how it can impact sales and business success. So tell people about your story and what you do. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, my background is in, uh, behavioral psychology, the science of well-being. I actually fell into the world of real estate accidentally, and I actually am not technically in real estate. I happen to work for real estate brokerages and real estate professionals as part of a solo entrepreneur skill sets um, in order to help them from what we call executive function. So I specialize with people in understanding how to get better at executive functioning skills to be more effective. Yeah. Uh, but I, my, my full background really is uh, purely, literally accidental. I fell into this by default as I loved working with people to help them understand how to grow their business. And it wasn't until I had certain family experiences with my own family in and around neurodivergency and things like that, that I started to realize comparisons and then start to work in a more niche area to really help people grow outside of certain um, limited skill sets. Yeah. Interesting. And so, uh, you know, we'll talk about um, kind of um, talking about what you, you, you uh, go off of is what are executive functions and how do they impact everyday life? Sure. You know, executive functions are things like time management. Uh, executive functions represent certain things for you in the world of um, what we call procrastination issues. They represent certain things for you in time blocking. Um, they are things that help you identify uh, task prioritization. So they're all the different ways in which we are able to structure, resource, and use certain elements of what we call focus areas. And so what I work with people on is that there's usually folks that have, much like many of your entrepreneurs are, and especially in the medical field, I have lots of people that I know that are top, top uh, professionals in the medical field that have ADHD. They are ultra, ultra talented and gifted, particularly in a skill set called hyperfocus. Because that's what ADHD is. So from surgery, from engagement, from all those different things and the study habits that were acquired even from school, hyperfocus is an incredible skill set. It's all the other stuff like, hey, honey, can you take the trash out? That, that's gone. You know, it, it actually is a different part of the brain that's required to, to help uh, identify how you work in conjunction with some of those things that shift in how we uh, require and attain focus. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, when I was in med- medical school, you know, a lot of, I was a really impressed by some of my classmates because they did things the un- unconventional way and they were really outstanding based on, you know, just being unconventional, either athletically or just the way they learned. Um, you mentioned ADHD in the entrepreneurship community, and we've had two or three guests in the past 
talk about ADHD and actually talk about how it's actually helped them. So talk about that. Yeah. So uh, a tremendous amount of entrepreneurs have ADHD because what draws them into that is a heightened sense of creativity. People with ADHD are more empathetic. They're more creative. They have a stronger sense of connection and developing longer lasting friendships. They also have the ability to switch from things very rapidly, which allows them to have more flexibility to cover more things at once. Because there are parts of the neurological disorder um, that may be difficult, and I'll give an example, sleep is something that's very difficult for people with ADHD. Yet, if you're someone that's creative thinking, easily excited, and those are dopamine drivers, and I'll talk about dopamine um, in a second, but because you don't sleep very often, what a great way for someone who's entrepreneurial to be getting a lot of work done and doing different things and shifting into something that's exciting and trying new projects and building and growing stuff, right? So there are there are just places and spaces from an entrepreneurial mindset that are incredibly talented, very, very gift-driven, and uh, very strong. There's also a lot of areas of opportunity in there, remember, from the executive function standpoint that make things incredibly difficult in how they operate in day-to-day life uh, that's outside of those heightened areas of ability. Uh, and it's always talking about uh, minimizing weaknesses or using kind of those weaknesses um, and then heightening your strengths. Um and I love this idea of just hyper-focus. It, um, it always reminded me of just this one of my classmates. He basically, he had ADHD, but he had a photographic memory. And he could basically skip class and then like a couple of days before the exam, just kind of go through it. And, and the way he synthesized things, he could, you know, score better than, you know, he's, he was at the top of the, you know, class, and um, which is interesting. Talk about why do so many solo entrepreneurs struggle with maintaining consistency? So, you know, I, I think that when it comes to the difficulty, you have to understand sort of the background of it a little bit. You know, ADHD, people think is a disorder of a lack of focus. As we talked about, it's not. It's actually in hyper-focus. But what happens here is that the brain is wired in a way because there are fewer dopamine receptors in the brain for someone that has ADHD. It's actually not even that there's less dopamine, there's fewer dopamine receptors. Because there's fewer dopamine receptors, it requires more dopamine to be produced in order to actually drive that part. And dopamine is one of the direct uh, effect markers of prefrontal cortex and then your executive function. So because of the lack of dopamine receptors and it requires more dopamine, ADHDers are kind of dopamine junkies. So they are (laughs) always, and I mean always, doing things that drive that dopamine up, right? So anything in the creative outlet world, anything that's a puzzle, a conundrum, something that needs to be solved, a riddle, huge drivers. So when you look at this process and this problem, again, go back to the idea of an entrepreneur that's building a new business or that's creating a new opportunity or it's looking at a new uh, financial opportunity. They will do so much research. They'll get engaged. They'll drive into all the different nuances. They'll learn all kinds of different things. And they can do that for hours and hours and hours because they find it exciting and interesting. Make sense? Now, if you tell them, by the way, great, you've got all that stuff. Now, organize that on an Excel spreadsheet and start putting it into all the different Excel formula. We're done. (laughs) It's over. We're done. No, no, no. That's not the fun part. I don't want to do that. That's stupid. I hate that. So you have to understand that the limitation comes from if it's exciting, not only will they get into it, they'll way be into it. And the way that I explain it is like this. It's the perception of something for them more so than the actual thing itself, which is what the time problem starts with. If there's something that they're really into, they say, hey, I'm going to do this for 10 minutes. I'm just going to go online and check this out for 10 minutes. Two hours will go by because they lost the sense of time there. 
The difference is if I say do this thing and put only three things in that Excel spreadsheet and only do it for five minutes, it feels like it's going to take two and a half to three hours. So they don't want to do it. Make sense? So yeah. Because it's so feelings and emotionally driven, it feels heavy. It feels weighted. They don't want to do those things. So they lean more toward what's exciting. They pull like kryptonite away from the things that are actually feel heavy and are difficult because they're linear task related. And that's what creates the problem. And we've all seen these executives that come into a room. A lot of CEOs are like this. They come into a room and they start listening to all these things. They're like, this is what we're going to do. You do this. And we're going to do that. Do this, that, and the other. And they go through all of this stuff. But then when you ask them, great. So who do you want focusing on what? I don't know. You guys figure that out. <laughs> it's like, okay, but that's not a thing. Like, what do you want us to do here? So it's a very uh, typical thing that we see. Yeah. And the other question is, you know, you mentioned time management, but then in this process, you were talking about flow and uh, basically when they lose track of time and mm -hmm. uh, there's like you know, slightly challenging and they're totally engaged. How do you, how do they distinguish flow from distraction and basically just getting um, distracted from all these different stimuli. Well, remember the, the distraction from stimuli occurs when something isn't holding attention. So if it's not really exciting, flow happens when something is like all the synapses are fine. They're really into it, right? When there isn't something that's holding mass attention in that thing, then that's when all the distractibility kicks in because they're now no longer in hyper-focus. They're shifting from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing. And it's why in entity, if you told someone, hey, and I'll use, I'll use my son, for example, right? So uh, our son, if you say to him, hey, there's some sneakers. You want to get some new Nikes, right? He's like, right, let's get new Nikes. Like, go, let's go online and check out new Nikes. Hours. He will look <laughs> at every shoe, every permutation, every color, every angle, every single thing, right? If I said to him, take this pen, walk eight feet across the room and put this pen on that table over there, never going to happen. <laughs> Why? Because there's no driven interest. There's no excitement to that. And therefore he'll pick up the pen and then he'll start looking at the pen and then he'll flip the pen around and then he'll start twirling the pen. And then he'll look back at me and he'll be like, what's for lunch? Because he already forgot what the assignment and task was at hand. And so that flow is different than it is in terms of looking at executive function for task management process, because there is no, there's no switching mechanism that allows you to move from creative to functional at all. It's just all blended into one. Mm, yeah. Talk about uh, time management and um, goal setting and why time management, uh, you know, you alluded to it earlier is so difficult. And how, how can you kind of be a better time manager with ADHD? Yeah. So I don't like the term time management. I've never really liked it. I time blocking the people that I work with. I tell them like, just forget that. That's stupid. We're going to ignore that. There's a great book out. Um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, called uh, Time Management for Mortals, that basically says kind of the same thing. It's like time management and time blocking is stupid. So don't even worry about it. The problem with ADHDers isn't a problem of time. It's a problem of prioritization. You see, for most people with ADHD, you've learned coping mechanisms and skills to be able to get past some of these things. So they love making lists. They're very big on lists. They've got a book where they write things in. They've got a sheet next to the desk where they write stuff on. The problem is there's 28 books. There's 42 sheets. They don't remember where on what sheet anything is. So making lists doesn't always work because what happens is on a list is everything is equally as important. They cannot help understand. So if I say, let's, let's figure out what you're going to do Tuesday from eight to nine in the morning, we're going to block that time. Well, their problem is like, I blocked it, but I'm not really going to stick to anything with it because I don't really know what's most important to do there. I just look at this list. It feels overwhelming. So I go on Zappos and buy shoes. 
right? Like that's the problem with it. So what I do when I work with people on is understanding prioritization. So I run a, a Monday morning planning group every Monday morning. It's called The Essentialist. And it's for all of my ADHD years, different industries. It's fine. Come on in. And we have one sheet that we work off in which there's little boxes and we fill out understanding prioritization for the week by breaking things into smaller identifiables. What do I have in 24 to 48 hours that has to get done when it comes to my family? What do I have in 24 to 48 hours that has to get done working on my business? And on my business is like in the health of my business. What do I have in the next 24 to 48 hours that has to get done working in my business? Now, in my business would be like client-facing, customer-facing, things of that nature. And so we go through this process to map out, right? What are the smallest, simplest things that need to get done, but we're adding an order of priority to it. And by adding an order of priority, if you said to me then, hey, if you've got time Tuesday from eight to nine, what do you want to do? They can look at the sheet and go, oh, I got to use that time to do this because this is the most important thing. Make sense? And this yeah. is where the rubber meets the road because it's, again, time management. I, I always tell my, my ADHDers and, and any of the, the folks that I work with, if you ever want to guarantee that you're not going to do something regularly, create a reoccurring calendar event. The way that we're wired, you create a reoccurring calendar event. I'm going to Peloton every morning at six in the morning. I'm going to put it on my calendar. Well, if you get up in the morning and you're like, I feel like dirt, I'm kind of hungover. It was a long night. I'm, you know, today looks like it's going to kind of suck. What does the brain think? Well, guess what? It's going to happen again tomorrow. So I'm just like, eh. Whereas if on Monday I said, look, let me look at my calendar and I'm going to pick two or three spots that are open to put that Peloton, you're more likely to actually do that because you've put it in spaces and places and it's moving constantly. ADHDers don't like things that are happening always the same. They like freedom and flexibility to move around, to do what they want, when they want. They don't want rigidity in and around it. So Love that. And how does it, um, and talk about um, building authentic relationships, um, you know, with this, uh, with ADHD. Yeah, this is a really, really core one to a lot of the work that I do. And um, I'm super passionate about helping build, people build meaningful relationships. So, uh, much like in your world in the healthcare practice, you know, you have clients, your patients are your clients. Um, and I, I believe in one thing wholeheartedly. I believe that the problem isn't that people have an inability to connect. The problem is they have an inability to connect consistently. And that's what develops the health of a relationship. And by building consistent connection in a meaningful way, that helps develop trust. So I have a lot of folks that I work with that are great at the first meeting. They are so good because they're funny, they're affable, they're creative, they're smart, they're engaging, they're empathetic, and they do all of this. And the nurtured relationship is strong in the beginning, right? And that yeah. nurtured relationship is really great. But what happens is, is they may want to stay connected to somebody and they may want to check in on them, but they don't really remember to. Why? Because remember, when you're busy trying to be all things to all people at all times and you're scrambling all over the place, it's very hard to maintain that. So what I work with people on is how do you create a simple system? to know who are the right people to stay with, how to do it effectively, and how to do it very quickly and simply. And that is really, really important because if I want to maintain the health of a relationship with someone, I have to have nurtured engagement with them. And I have to do that pretty much every 90 days at a minimum in order to maintain the health of that relationship. So a lot of the people that I work with, they're great at the initial, they're great at the first time. And then like eight months goes by and they're like, oh God, I haven't talked to that person. And now I feel weird and I feel badly and I feel a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt. So like, I'm just not gonna talk to them anymore. Yeah. And it's like, that's the wrong way to go about it. Yeah. 
And then um, well, so the psychology of sales and uh, just getting into the uh, consumer mindset and needs. And you talk about applying this in the field of real estate. That's really interesting. Well, real estate in and of itself, yeah. we can have a whole <laughs> other podcast in the world of real estate. Real estate is one of the most dysfunctional industries I've ever seen. <laughs> All the way around, it just make it makes no sense, right? <laughs> if you think about real estate, and you know everybody uses a real estate agent for the most part, but nobody really wants to. And I work with hundreds of some of the best agents in the in the country, but the problem is, is that because the entire industry is structured in a way that doesn't really benefit the consumer at all, it then creates these awkward relationships with people where you're sort of like, look. Statistics don't lie. Last year, 90% of all real estate sold in the United States of America, Christopher, 90% was sold by only 10% of the licensed agents. Think about that for a second. That means there's 90% of people who have a real estate license in the US who are doing nothing, yet somehow that's a viable business model. And then on top of it now, for the average consumer, you've got, when we talk about sales, You've got 28 different people involved in a home sale transaction, right? Yeah. If you're going to sell your house, there's the bank, the mortgage company, the insurance company, the title company, the agent, the brokerage itself, right? Then you've got the home inspector. You've got there's like 28 people involved in this. <laughs> and none of those people, by the way, want to make what they do really simple because if they made it super simple, you wouldn't need them anymore. So therefore, yeah. their job is to keep it as complicated as possible. So we talk about the psychology of sales and engaging with people. It really does go back to the ability to nurture and develop healthy, meaningful relationships. Because in all of that mass confusion, if you can establish yourself as somebody who cares more about the outcome for somebody than their own vested self-interest or in what the transactional process is, that lasts much, much longer. So when I work with sales professionals and how they engage with people, removing yourself from the, the emotional connection to the outcome of the transaction and switching to being better invested into the emotional connection to the individual, regardless of the outcome, is a huge differentiation that helps people build better connections and grow their own businesses. Yeah, I love that. Um, and uh, I love how you, how you correlate it with the real estate industry and apply it there, talking about um, psychology of sales, building authentic relationships, and uh, it's about the person. Um, and you're right, you know, real estate is very cumbersome and you know, very tedious. How can uh, people really interesting, you have a lot of interesting ideas and thoughts. How, how can people contact you, check out your work, uh, check out your TEDx uh, talk as well and, and reach out to you? Yeah. Everything about me is on LancePendleton.com. You can go to LancePendleton.com in order to see more about the Essentialist, the Monday morning uh, productivity group that I run for any private work with me. You can find that on there as well as my TED talk is on there. Um, and in addition to that too, you can always follow me on at Lancelot Pendleton on Instagram. Um, and I'm happy to talk to anybody about any of these different types of things. If they just even have some questions about if it's some family members and folks that they think might be dealing with some of the ADHD issues or possible struggles and stuff, or if they themselves are, they can on my website, book a 15 minute consultation with me. And we can talk about, you know, if it's not me, 50% of the people I talk to, I actually refer out to particular specialists who are really, really good at what they do. So I love networking people with other people too. Yeah. And uh, I love this um, talk by Lance. Uh, be sure to follow him on Instagram, LinkedIn, his other socials. All these resources will be in the links and show notes. And thanks for coming on for talking about a really interesting subject and and using it to uh, be more effective in, in the uh, business workplace. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Christopher. It was really great being here with you today. 
hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.